Now, does anybody remember what we've been looking at for the past five weeks? I think we're in the fifth week. Beatitudes, look at them, they all know. So, of course, the reading is going to be... No, see, too advanced. It's Matthew 5, and it's been 1 to 12, but we've had it for the last four weeks, so I thought we'd mix it up today. So I don't want to go too wild, but this is the verse that we are looking at today. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But I have another reading, and it's not just because it's the first Sunday of Lent. It's because it ties in, I promise you, it ties in beautifully. And you will find out how, but Jo is going to come and read that for us, aren't you, Jo? So uh, I'm inviting Jo up, and she's going to read this passage for us, and then we're going to find out how they tie in together. Thanks, Jo. Thanks. Uh, Reading today is Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Fab, thank you, Joe. Now, I know that feels a bit heavier than meekness, but don't worry, we're going to get there together. And I thought, as it's an ashing service, I will start today with a little confession from me, because, you know, if I confess first, maybe you'll feel better about it later. So, my confession today is that when we have a new preaching series, what happens is, often James will email, and he'll say we're doing a series, um, and sometimes he plans the details. (laughs) It's a confession on your behalf, really, isn't it? (laughs) Sometimes he plans the details, and sometimes he goes, we'll work it out as we go along. And this was one of the, originally, it was, we'll work it out as we go along. And I thought, fine. And I had a look at the Beatitudes, and I thought, poor in spirit. I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could do that one. I, I didn't, but I thought I could do that. I thought, blessed are those who mourn. I thought, yeah, I could do that one. And then I thought, blessed are the meek. I thought, oh, I don't fancy that one at all, actually. And I thought, I, I don't really know what that means. And I thought, I am looking forward to James's talk on that. I'm sure it'll be full of wisdom, and I'm going to learn some stuff. Anyway, that's not how it's happened, is it? So here I am, um, and that means that I've had to do something that I think James has wanted me to do for, it's coming up to four years since I've been here, I've had to read a book. <laughs> thank, thank you, yeah, yeah. Um, I really hate reading, I have to say. I always have. I know, Gracie, I know. But what happens when I pick up a book is I look at the words and I think I'm reading because that's what you do, right? That is the act of reading. I get to the bottom of the page. I have not got a clue what I have read. I'm thinking about anything else and I have to read it about six times. I'm very slow. Reading is a painful process for me. Another round of applause. So I I am reading, I've decided for Lent I'm going to read 
There you go, I'm taking something up. Not yeah, it's exciting. Um, but anyway, that's enough about my reading habits. It's just so you know, when, when I quote people today, when I mention people, this is rare for me. So I wanted to celebrate that for myself. But there we go, you can celebrate with me. So I thought the first book, what's the first book that we'd look into? It's not the Bible, that's the wrong answer. The first book I thought, dictionary, of course it is. <laughs> so we got the dictionary out. And I thought, right, what is meekness then? What is it to be meek? Um, and I looked it up, and it said it's to be quiet and gentle, to be easily imposed upon. And I thought, oh, I don't like that very much, actually. That doesn't sound that great, does it? Is that what Jesus is talking about? And I looked up uh, this word again on an online dictionary, and it said to be deficient in spirit or courage. And I thought, flipping heck, this doesn't sound very nice at all. Um, and I started thinking, this doesn't add up, because... Jesus calls himself meek. In Matthew 11, uh, verse 29, if you want to know, he calls himself meek. And I thought, is Jesus saying that that's what he is? Is he saying he's quiet, gentle, easily imposed upon, deficient in spirit or courage? And I thought, I don't think so. <laughs> that's not how I see Jesus. And I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't see himself like that. So this didn't add up. And I thought, well, maybe actually we've lost the meaning of the word somewhere along the line. It happens, doesn't it? Words do change meaning over time. And I thought, maybe it's that. So if you were here two weeks ago, you might have heard James talking a lot about time machines. I was not here. I know you're all thinking, you weren't here, Sarah, but I've listened online. Of course I have. That's the kind of dedication I have. Did you know you can listen online if you miss it? It's on SoundCloud, so there you go. Um, so I have gone back and I've listened and we're going to borrow his time machine very quickly and uh, we're going to jump in and find out what this word might have meant originally, what it might have meant to the first hearers. So the first place we're going to go is all the way back to Plato. <laughs> That's before Christ. We are going a long way back. Now Plato isn't even... No, Plato is one of these guys. He's the guy made of stone, obviously. Um, <laughs> so that is, that's Plato for you. He's very stony. Um, now, Plato said, he said that meekness is a quality not of the powerless, but of the powerful. It's weird, isn't it? It doesn't sound anything like being gentle or quiet if it's a quality of the powerful, not the powerless. I thought that's really interesting. Um, and then I got bored of hanging out there. I get bored very quickly. And I jumped right back to the 20th century. I thought, flipping heck, we're moving on, we're moving on. And I, I, I read some people that have said some stuff about... They've looked into this before. I thought, that's, that's much smarter, isn't it? To, to read the people that have already done the work. That's what you do. So we went to Karl Barth next. Now, Karl Barth said that only Jesus is truly meek. Only Jesus is truly meek because he gave up the ultimate power and suffered the humiliation of the cross. And I thought, okay, so meekness seems to be something to do with power or that it's a quality that that's the powerful have and not the powerless, but it seems to be about giving up that power if we listen to what Karl Barth says. And Bonhoeffer says, meekness is about yielding ground it's about giving ground to someone else or to God. And he says it's not about giving it up for, um, sorry, giving it up out of a lack of strength. It's not about not being strong enough. It's not about fear. It's not about yielding ground out of fear. But this is for the sake of another. It's giving ground for the sake of another. 
It's backing down from an argument for the sake of another. Hard to do. (laughs) But that's what we're coming to see meekness as. So actually, the definition of meekness is like a strength under control, which is very different, isn't it? It's very different from where we started. Meekness is strength under control. And this, to me, it brought the image of the lion and the lamb that we see in Isaiah. Are you familiar with that image? There we go. We've got a lion and a lamb. It's, it's this image of a creature that's so powerful and could tear that lamb apart, yet it's sitting quietly with it. It's choosing not to use that power. And of course, the ultimate meekness is the lion becoming the lamb. That's a, a metaphor for Jesus. The lion becomes the lamb and gives up all of his power. And so that's what we've come to understand meekness as meaning. But, okay, what, what does all that mean anyway? We've just defined one word in about, I don't know, 20 minutes. It's not been 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but for the first hearers, they're hearing, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So what does that mean to them? Well, in Hebrew thought, they believe that they're created from the land. They believe that their personhood and the land are entwined, if you like. So this is really important because they think they're called to be the people of God. They believe they're called to be God's people, but that they can only fulfill that if they have the land. And it so happens that they don't have their own land. They're living in occupied territory. So because of that, they don't think they can be fully who they're called to be. They're not believing that they can be that thing. And they're waiting for the Messiah to come. And they're waiting for the Messiah to come and take the land by force. They're imagining war. They're imagining destruction, but that they will get their land back. And that's what they're expecting. And it's to these people that Jesus says, you will inherit the land by choosing not to use earthly power. You will inherit the land by giving up your power. It's not by destruction of others that you inherit this land, but it's by giving up your power for others. This is totally subversive. This is a subversive power. It's not, it's not a power that we would imagine, is it? Because they're thinking they're just going to take this land back. But actually Jesus says, no, give up your power to inherit the land. This is a completely subversive beatitude. And it's quite wonderful, actually, when, when I got into it, I started thinking, oh, I'm glad I got this one. <laughs> but I wonder for you today, what is your land? So the land for them was the thing that would enable them to be all they were called to be. They were sure that they needed the land to be God's people. So what is it that you tell yourself you need in order to be God's people? What is it that you desire? Because they desired the land too. What is it that you desire? I think we all have things we think, oh, I could be a better person or even maybe a better Christian if I had this, if I had that. Maybe you think, if I had more money, I could be a much better Christian because I could give so much to everybody all the time. I could be sprinkling out the cash. Maybe we think that. Maybe you think, if I just had a relationship, if I just had a good marriage, maybe that would be the answer. I certainly thought that in my early 20s. Maybe it's, if I just had more time, if I just had more time, I could do so much more. Partially true. (laughs) 
Maybe it's if I just had that promotion, if I just got that job, I could be a better person. I'd be better to be around. We've all got so much, haven't we, that we think we need and that we desire and that we think will make us a better person somehow. And we come up with plans on how to get there. We come up with our own ideas on how we're going to get there. We all do it. Well, I assume we all do it. It's not just me. (laughs) Um, But we all think, okay, well, if I do this and this, then maybe I'll get there. But actually, this beatitude is Jesus calling us to another way. And it's not that any of our desires are necessarily wrong. They might be, I don't know. But it's not that our desires are wrong, but actually that Jesus calls us to another way. He calls us to lay down our desires and our plans in order to gain something more beautiful. And that's to inherit his resurrection life. We give up in order to gain. That's the beautiful message of this. We give up something that actually is basically ashes. We give up something that's not that important in order to gain something far more beautiful. And in a short moment, we'll be invited to have an ash cross. Now, ash is symbolic in many ways of... Ash can be symbolic of death. Of course it can. It's made of the burning of a substance, so of course it does. It represents all that we give up. And particularly at Lent, lots of people give things up. And it's a a symbolic way of seeing that. But it's also deeply symbolic of life. Because ash nourishes soil, it helps things to grow. It's so symbolic of life. And ash itself, chemically, is carbon. And we're all made of carbon. This is like the building block of life, ash. So this is beautiful. It's about resurrection life. The words that you'll hear as you have the ash cross on your head are remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. And that act will remind us that when we submit to Christ, when we choose his way over ours, what we do is hand in our ashes. We hand over our ashes to him. And in return, he gives us beautiful life, resurrection life, life in all its fullness. So in these ashes, see your desires. See your motives, see your plans. See all of your hopes and come to God in meekness, knowing that he's not going to destroy anything that you want, anything that you are, anything he's called you to be. Come to God in meekness, handing them over so that he can give you beautiful resurrection life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your resurrection life. And we pray today that you would help us to give our desires and our plans over to you so that we might have more of you in our lives and so that we might know the beauty of your resurrection life in us. Amen.